Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram. Instagram.com slash Great Detectives. If you are enjoying this podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. Today's program is brought to you in part by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis at support.greatdetectives.net or become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters for as little as $2 per month at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, now it is time for this week's episode of The Adventures of Sam Spade. The original air date, March 9th, 1951, and the title is The Spanish Prisoner Caper. The National Broadcasting Company presents The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Detective Agency. Me, sweetheart. Oh, Sam, Sam. Now, if all is forgiven, like I told you. How can you forgive me, Sam? I almost killed you. Well, why kick yourself, F? You would have done the private detective profession a great favor. Oh, don't say that, By Sam. removing from its roles the only operative in San Francisco stupid enough to shake an apple tree for an entire evening trying to pick up an apron full of bananas. But they all can't come out right in the end, Sam. Ah, but you haven't heard the postscript, Angel. Postscript? Postscript, indeed. Batten down the hatches and warn all within earshot that they're about to catch stupid Sam, the incomparable, in a new act. For during the next 29 minutes and 30 seconds, I shall down the mantle of Don Quixote, shoulder my battered lance, and tilt at windmills in an object lesson to the gullible entitled The Spanish Prisoner Caper. Transcribed for NBC, William Spear, radio's outstanding producer, director of mystery and crime drama, brings you the greatest private detective of them all in... The Adventures of Sam Spade. Effie? Yep. Oh, now, there, there, Angel. Don't cry, little girl. Don't cry. I'm so stupid. You might have been... Yes. We'll have no more of it here. Not a word, not a word. Look, pencil. <laughs> Go ahead. They fill it in to Miss Marjorie Loveland. Barkhaven Apartments from Samuel Spade. Still license number 137596. Oh. Down, F.A., down. Subject, the Spanish prisoner caper. Dear, dear Marjorie. When they made you, darling, they threw the mold away. In this day of the emancipated, self-sufficient, 100% competent female, it came as a fresh breeze and a boost to my masculine ego to run across a lady, white-haired and fragile withal, who needed protection. After meeting you, I knew what the fellow had in mind when he wrote, Heaven will protect the working girl. As a matter of fact, you could have been the very girl since you and the song were about the same vintage. Do please sit down, Mrs. Spade. Uh, uh, May I fix you some tea? No, thanks. Uh, I planned to come to your office, but I 
I decided I just couldn't risk going out at this time. Oh, why that? Well, he might come, you see. Mm. And I'd never forgive myself if I was out. Oh, yes. Senor Pinera. Oh. Oh, he's more than a week overdue now. And I'm on pins and needles. Mm. I gave him my address here at the Brock Haven. But there's the Brocko Bank and the Brockhurst and the Brock Morton and, and, and the Brock. Mm. It would be so easy for him to become confused. Being a stranger in town. Well, I'm a native. I'm confused myself. Well, I thought perhaps you could locate him. He should be back from Mexico by now with Don Luis. Don Luis. Dear me. So many things could happen to them. Walking the streets with all that money. What money? The gold and the precious gems. Oh. Uh, how about starting all over again? Why? Haven't I made myself clear, Mr. Spade? Well, I have the end fairly straight, yes, but if you'll give me the beginning, we'll have everything. Oh, oh, uh, well, well I, I suppose the beginning was uh, three weeks ago. Where? In the lobby of the Grand Hotel for Women. I see. I, I was staying there temporarily while I was waiting for this apartment to see. Mm-hmm. So? So, the day I got word I could move here, I packed up and had them take my things out to the taxi. Then I went to the desk and got my money from the vault. Oh, how much? $840. Cash? Yes, in bills. My annuity money had just come to me. Well. Well, I just put the bills in my purse and was starting out the door when it happened. Mm-hmm. This voice came over my shoulder. A soft Latin voice saying, Senorita, I come to you on a matter of terrible urgency. And lo and behold, it was Senor Palmera. How did you know? Oh, I have a feeling for those things. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, his uncle, Don Luis Alvaro, was in terrible trouble, he said, in prison in Mexico City on some sort of trumped-up political charge. Ah, and the family, though noble, was financially impoverished. Uh, yes, except... Except for a casket containing the family jewels and an assortment of priceless heirlooms, all hundreds of years old, hand-wrought of the finest virgin gold. However, Said caskets and its precious hoard being hidden away in a secret place known only to Don Luis. All he needs is a paltry $840. It, it, it was a thousand. I went to the bank. A paltry thousand dollars to bribe a jail official, and presto, Don Luis goes free, unearths the casket, and rewards you with an ample share of the family treasure. Mr. Spade, you talk to Senor Palmera. Nope. How badly do you need the dough? Oh, need it. Why, good heavens, Mr. Spade, it, it's all I have until next June. There's a small pension from the school board in Keokuk, but... Dear me, I, I don't know just how... Mr. Spade, you mean he... He isn't coming back with my money? <laughs> The truth of the matter, Marjorie, was that you'd fallen for the Spanish prisoner's swindle. A hoary old chestnut that goes back to the day of P.T. Barnum and before. But you look like if I gave you an honest answer, you'd dissolve into tears. As I said, I was in one of my heaven and spade will protect the working girl mood, so I made up a dishonest one. Mr. Spade, will you... I'll uh, try and look him up. Maybe it's all a terrible misunderstanding. Oh,
Effie? Ray? What's that? Miss Perrine. Oh, Sam Spade, detective agency. Mm. Mr. Spade is... This is Mr. Spade, charming one. Oh, Sam, I'm sorry. Yes. Dorothy's here, and I'm trying to learn to knit Argyle socks. Well, fine. Drop all stitches and look in the file for me, will you? I remember getting a circular a while back on a con man who was running the Spanish prisoner around here. What would it be under, Sam? Um, Spanish prisoner? Con games, obsolete. Get out the file. Oh, just a minute. It's Sam, Dorothy. Count those stitches while I look in the file. Um... Confidence game. Oh, here. You told me to knit two and slip two, I'm sure. Sam! Yeah? I found it. His name's Pedro Rodriguez. Rodriguez? Uh, there's no address, but it mm. says he um, habitually associates with somebody named Lolita Montoya. Sounds Spanish. Slightly, slightly. Any address for him? Um, 615 Mason Street. Fine, fine. And that's all there is, Sam. Mm-hmm. Oh, golly, I'm so mixed up with these darn argyles. Well, what's so tough about that? Well, you ought to try. What row are you on? 27. Knit three and slip one, she says, and I... Hit... She's wrong, wrong, wrong. Knit two, slip one, knit one, pass one, and knit one. You got it? Sam! How versatile! Nothing, nothing at all. I've been going out with a gray lady. <laughs> 615 Mason Street was a very large apartment building with the usual brass plate in the entry listing the inhabitants, among which I was happy to note was Lolita Montoya, Apartment 408. I pick up the house phone and press the button. Yeah? Telegram for Lolita Montoya. Lolita isn't here. Lolita? My Lolita? Who is calling? Just a telegram, Pop. Stick it in the box, eh? Uh, money order. Somebody has to sign for it. But it may be important. I always take care of it, understand? Yes. Yes, I understand. Sonny? Yeah? Climb back into that cab I saw you get out of. Hustle over to Western Union and tell the president Lolita's on a vacation. Get it? Go for you now. Hello? Hello? <laughs> Nothing daunted, I punched a few bells until one of the less suspicious tenants gave me the front door buzz, walked in, and took the automatic elevator to the fourth floor. Or I should say toward the fourth floor, since halfway between the third and fourth, she quit cool. The elevator, that is, but there were devices for such things. I pushed the button marked emergency, and it took me only 50 minutes to get out, assisted by the janitor, the manager, and 12 tenants. The doors on the fourth floor, it seemed, had been carelessly pried open and held that way by a magazine carelessly stuck in the crack. Continuing my stealthy approach to 408, I found my man and his pal had somehow sensed I was coming and run off without stopping to close the door. The apartment was filled with cigarette smoke and not much else. A bed, an empty dresser, and a table on which were one pot half full of foul black coffee, a little pointed gadget that looked like a nut pick, and a handful of metal shavings. I was contemplating what connection, if any, this had with your missing thousand bucks when... Young? This is Stuyvesant, Pedro. I just wanted to inquire how everything is coming along, if it all... See, Gray. How much? Well, there's a thousand. It's a good. Oh, see, boy. What do you think? Well, Pedro, just see if you enjoy your snooze. Like you said, Pedro, our Spanish prisoner is a valuable man. Huh? I must hustle over to the lighthouse and inform the leader. Lighthouse? Uh, she has been very conscientious in the rule, Pedro. Oh, see, Gray. It's not every girl who would sell out her grandfather so readily, Pedro. Nope. We must not take Lolita for granted. I will give it a new rumble, and we'll see you tonight at Simplex. Bye. 
See, si, right. Au revoir, Pedro. Au revoir? Well, au revoir. Oulay, Stevie. The only lighthouse I knew was a gin mill perched midway down the Embarcadero, south of Market, surrounded by shoals strewn with human wrecks of all description. A place you might find shell game men and carne grifters, but hardly a habitat for a con man smooth enough to work the Spanish prisoners. The lighthouse keeper, who looked like he'd retired from the sea after a losing battle with Moby Dick, was bent over a pinball machine next to the door. As far as I could see by the one light in the joint, get up, it was empty. Get up, get up, yeah. Get up, get up, get up, get up. Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh. Too bad, lighthouse keeper. Yeah. Yeah, what do you have? Well, a beer when you're ready. Do you know Pedro Rodriguez? Yeah, worked for me once a couple of years ago. I canned him. Why? Yeah, he's a swab. Only honest nickel he ever made was when he was here. All right, get up, get up, get up, get up. Thanks. Yeah, crooked swab is Pedro Rodriguez. He's up to something right now, if you ask me. Spanish prison? Oh, you mixed up in it too, huh? Nope, I just want to be. How does it go? Well, I don't know much about it, only it seems to smell. See, Pedro was sitting at the bar the other night with another swab, talking about an old Spanish gent who's going to make him a million dollars. Just come over from Spain. Get up, get up, get up. Yeah. Nice shot. Ah, body English, pure and simple. So what about the Spanish, then? Well, I didn't hear no more about that. Hey, I'll tell you what you do. Mm. You ask Lolita about it. Anything Pedro's mixed up in, she generally knows about. Good. Where do I find Lolita? Uh, let's see. I ain't sure whether it's the third or the fourth. Third or fourth what? The booth from the back there. Oh. She's been sitting there all night writing letters. Uh, you better be careful, though. She got an awful temper. Uh, thanks, lighthouse keeper. Uh, how about the beer? Sure. Hey, Larry! Draw one! <laughs> drew one, and I took it down to the bar to a point opposite booth number four, which indeed contained Lolita, a fragile little thing wearing a turtleneck sweater marked Spielman's Gym. The table was covered with writing paper, and her alabaster brow was a mass of unsightly wrinkles as she chewed the end of her fountain pen. I'd no sooner settled down when the front door opened and what appeared to be the reincarnation of Gargantua the gorilla, only with clothes, steamed down the aisle and slid in next to Lolita, who was not alarmed at all. <laughs> The little I dare tidy. Hmm, listen to this. I am making progress. Uh, Grandfather dear, you cannot know how dire is the peril into which I have been thrust. Okay. Prostibilities, prostibilities. Or maybe, uh, maybe, uh, Grandfather beloved. Hmm. As I take up my pen in hand, I am overcome with fear. Things look very black indeed. I have fallen into the clutches of a... Robinson, <laughs> what are you grinning at? I have just conversed with Pedro on the telephone. We are in. Really? <laughs> hey, you mean no more letters? No more. Pedro is exalted. He says that. Hmm. What's the matter? Are we interfering with your train of thought? What's this? No, 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 no. Go right ahead. I'll just sit here and drink my beer. Wait a minute. Now, look, George, there is plenty of bar down near the front door. Oh, Lolita, he's just a smoke. I'm not so sure. 
He's got an honest look about him I do not like. What is on your mind, George? Pedro. Uh, great show, huh? Yeah, yeah, he's getting careless. Shortchanged a friend of mine a thousand bucks. I just, just take it. Ah, this man is subtle, Stivey. Yeah. Um, you are anxious to put the bite on Pedro for a grand, right? Uh-huh. That is, uh, unless Pedro wants to take a five-year rap, it's up to him. Five-year rap for what? Stupidity. He ought to know better than to try to get by with a Spanish prisoner, honey. Spanish prisoner? He knows. What'd I tell you? It's a shakedown. Well, you... Relax, Ivanson. <laughs> Violence will get you nowhere. Get out of my way, Then I'll show this kid Very awful, leader, not the good. I said get out of my way! You better let me have it, baby. Lolita, temper, temper. I got hold of a gun with one hand while Lolita chewed on my other one. Stuyvesant, meanwhile, catching my head under his arm like a nutcracker and kicking me in the stomach with his knee. This went on for some time, then I became vaguely aware of Stivey's fist, as big as a ham, coming up from the floor. He caught me on the side of the head, and I skidded down the marble floor, past the row of booze like a ball in a bowling alley, scoring a ten strike on the pinball machine, which leaned drunkenly over me. Stuck out its coin drawer and flashed a red light in my face, reading, Foul Ball, Try Again. Stupid me, I did. You are listening to the weekly adventure of radio's most famous detective, Sam Spade. chimes mean good times on NBC. There's music and mystery tomorrow on NBC. For music, your hit parade brings you the top tunes in the land, as selected by you and presented by Raymond Scott's orchestra, Eileen Wilson and Snooky Lanson. For mystery, Herbert Marshall stars as the man called X, an intrepid adventurer in international intrigue who travels to all corners of the world. Wherever there is danger, romance, and mystery, there you will find The Man Called X. And now back to the Spanish prisoner caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. I came to with my head jammed between the brass rail and the bar next to what proved to be the lighthouse keeper's left Parked as always in front of the pinball machine. Larry, best up, Fred. Oh. Uh, get up, get up, get up, oh. get up, get up. Where are they? Top holes all filled with three balls to go. Uh, congratulations. How about Lolita and the mug? Oh, Deb. Right. Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Mm. Oh, Deb? Ah, uh, took off, blast them. I had 780,000 points run up, and they had to go and throw you at the machine, cause a tilt. And Larry! I sat until the buzzing in my ears quieted down and tried to hark back to the phone conversation with Stivey in the apartment. It came eventually, and I pried mine host, the lighthouse keeper, away from the pinball machine and sat him down next to me with the yellow and standard sections of the telephone book. 
Uh, Simplex Bar Supply? No, no. Simplex uh, Easy Do Garden Furniture? Nope. Uh, how about Simplex Printing Company? 509 Sansom Street? Nope. No. Uh, Simplex Office File? Simplex Service no. Station? 12th? No, no, no. Well, how do you know, mate? There's 42 Simplexes in this book alone. You find one that sounds like the front for a con operation, I'll buy it. Uh, Simplex Cleaners? Nope, no. Simplex Associates? Uh, nope. What's uh, that? Nothing, nothing suspicious. Simplex Associates. Business opportunities, investments, goals, oil and mining securities, marked cards, loaded dice, and Las Vegas real estate. Nothing. Well, that just sounds like it might be a possibility, though. Homicide, Dundee. Hey, Sam Dundee, do me a favor, will you, pal? What? Run across the hall and check the bunco files. There's an outfit called Simplex Associates. Well, what's it about? Well, it started out as a con game. A grifter took my client for a thousand bucks on a Spanish prisoner. Spanish prisoner? Yeah. Well, what's that got to do with me? Call bunco yourself, Sam. They're closed down at this time of night, Dundee. Be a sweetheart I'm now, no will you? I'm no sweetheart. I'm a homicide lieutenant, and I don't run a service agency for private detectives. <laughs> Unless there's a corpse in it, you can take your business elsewhere. Dundee, look. Hold it, will you? I can't hold it. I got it. Lord, Vito, where is she? Where is my... Uh, I got her. Let him down on the floor. The couch in the back. No, 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 don't move. Easy. That's it. Lord, I know she's here. They must free her. You must call the police. Free her? Why, why was Pedro holding her? To make me do this thing, this terrible thing. And I have done it. But you must stop him now. He will let my Lolita go now. Then you must stop him. Millions, millions of pesos in my honor. You must, you must. Where is he? Simplex. Sim. He's in a bad way, mate. Not anymore. He was an aristocrat, thin face, silver hair, and the look of a bourbon. It stopped me, Marjorie, because here it was, just like your Senor Palmera told you. The nobleman in the ragged clothes and dangling from one of his ankles the broken chain of a leg iron. In short, the complete Spanish prisoner. Sunday, it's legitimate now. You've got your corpse. There was nothing on him to indicate who he was or where he came from, but I had a feeling I'd seen him before. After making the lighthouse keeper promise me he'd lay off the pinball game until Dundee arrived, I took off for my office on a very practical errand. Mr. Sam! Oh, Sam! Oh, what are you doing? Buckling on my 45, sweetheart. If I had a light tank and a bazooka, I'd take them, too. Oh, Sam, your face I know, I know, sweetheart. Oh, Sam? Hmm? About the Spanish prisoner? Well, there's a real Spanish prisoner in this one, F. He's dead now, by the way, and from the cheap grip of a thousand bucks from a poor retired school teacher. We're now up in the million-dollar bracket. They got a murderous ex-Corrine playing like she's been kidnapped and writing extortion notes to her grandpa. And a mother looks like a monkey's nightmare and nut picks and metal shavings and someplace or somebody named Simplex. Not to mention... Oh, Sam, Sam, stop it. It's all my fault. I was so mixed up with the Argyles. What have the Argyles got to do with it? When you called about the file, the circular on the confidence man. Yeah? I was looking under Carl and the seas, but... I got out the one next to it by mistake. No. Yes. The one marked counterfeiters. 
Only then did I remember where I'd seen the old man before. The paper was still on my desk, and his picture was still on the front page over an article that ran something like this. Search on for ex-Spanish Treasury officials. Police today were still without definite leads in the search for Raymond Montoya, former chief engraver of the Spanish Mint. Montoya, who arrived in San Francisco three weeks ago to visit his granddaughter, vanished from his hotel room shortly after checking in, etc., etc., etc. Call Lieutenant Dundee at the lighthouse on the Embarcadero. Also call the Treasury Department. Tell him both Pedro Rodriguez and his two assistants are even now busily running off currency from plates engraved by Raymond Montoya at the Simplex Printing Company, 509 Sansom Street. Yes, sir. Mexican pesos it was by the basketful. And the Treasury dicks agreed it was a happy thing for Mexico that Raymond had kept his engraver's tool on the right side of the law up to now. As to the matter of your Senor Palmera and his Spanish prisoner, I had excusably, I hope, lost my enthusiasm. And so it was, Marjorie, that I walked into the Palace Hotel lobby a couple of hours later to call you. Yes, sir? I'd uh, like some nickels to phone, please. Why, certainly. Huh? Uh, shall I? No, 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 no. They're phony Mexican bills. Oh, dear. Dear me. Oh, good heavens, you shouldn't show money around like that. I just stuck them in my pockets forever and forgot to turn them over to the treasury. Oh. Ah, here we are. Here's the dime. Yes, sir. And here you are. Thank you. Hey, senor. You dropped some big money. Ah, keep it, keep it. Huh? Yeah. Put those back in my pocket. Excuse me, please, senor. Hey, John, look, I want to talk on you. Hello? Marjorie, this is Sam Spade. Look, Samuel, I got to talk to you. Oh, Mr. Spade, did you find him? I'm sorry, Marjorie. I beg your pardon, Samuel. Just a minute, Marge. Look, buddy, you can have the phone in a minute. Now, will you relax? You mean my money is gone? I'm afraid so, Marge. It's an expensive lesson, but it's worth it if you remember, honey. From now on, never flash your money in public places. Senor, please. I'm almost through with you. Wait a minute. And never trust strangers, Marge. The world is full of sharks looking around for easy uh, middle-aged ladies with bankrolls. Honest, Mr. Spade. That's the trouble. The way he came up to me and said, Senorita, I come to you on a matter of terrible urgency. I know, I know. He saw your bankroll and he figured you on a matter of terrible urgency. Figured you look like an easy mark, Marge, so. Senor? Just a minute, Marjorie. What did you say? I say I come to you on a matter of terrible urgency. My uncle, Don Luis Alvarado, he's in awful trouble. Oh? Oh, there's going to be great rewards, Senor, if you help us. You know? We just might be able to work something out. Well, Marjorie, he had $1,358 from which I deducted your thousand and closed herewith, plus $58 representing my standard retainer. Period. End of report. Oh, it must be awful to be gullible like that. Dear, sweet little soul. Yes. Imagine her falling for a, a transparent swindle like that. Now, that's one thing I've learned from you, Sam. Oh? I have my savings in a, in a real good, solid thing. Uh, what's that? An avocado mine. An avocado mine? Where? In Nome. That's in Alaska, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, nevertheless, and notwithstanding, go type that up. <laughs> Three chimes mean good times on NBC. For something new about the Army, hear the Phil Regan Show every Sunday on NBC. 
Coming from a different service base every week, Phil Regan brings you songs and fun and brings prizes to talented G.I.s. It's an exciting newcomer in your Sunday chime lineup on NBC. And Sunday also means Cary Grant and Betsy Drake as Mr. and Mrs. Blanding. Two pearl three slip one and nip one, you see. How many rows did you do? I'm on 57. Are you sure you're right, Sam? Well, look at it. Have you ever seen such argyle? Well, that's what I mean, Sam. They, they, um, they sort of billow out, don't they? Well, who cares? That guy you're making them for probably won't appreciate them anyway. But they have to fit, Sam. Well, look at that. It'll make a perfect sleeping bag for a fat cat. I tell him your boss lost them up. But, Sam... Uh-oh. Oh, dear. What's the matter? Well, it was going to be a surprise. Therefore, um... <laughs> no. Yes. Well, I'll treasure him, sweetheart. That's a beautiful, just what I wanted. That's my boss. <laughs> Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. Tonight's transcribed adventure of Sam Spade was produced, edited, and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade was played by Stephen Dunn. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. Also in the cast were Verna Felton, Lou Merrill, Shirley Mitchell, Ed Max, Jerry Hausner, Nestor Piva, and Tony Barrett. Script for tonight's adventures by Harold Swanton. Musical scoring by Lud Gluskin, conducted by Robert Armbruster. next week, same time, for another adventure with Sam Spade. For more mystery excitement tomorrow, it's The Man Called X on NBC. Welcome back. In many ways, the Spanish prisoner sounds a whole lot like a precursor to what we call the Nigerian Prince emails, with the same general elements, only different geography. The trick and overall premise are the same, so nothing new under the sun. Honestly, the mystery felt a bit convoluted and confusing, with the counterfeiting feeling like a side quest that Sam stumbled into that had nothing to do with his client and then a relatively coincidental resolution to her problem. Still, I think the storytelling and the performance made this an interesting listen. One odd thing I've noticed about some of these stories from the early 1950s, particularly on NBC and, you know, Sam Spade, Tales of the Texas Rangers, Dangerous Assignment, is that there seems to be a weird variation with the end credits. Often on Spade, we only get Don and Tuttle Uh, And then on other episodes, we'll get a prominent guest character actor like Wally Mayer. But here we get a full cast list. 
And you'll hear those same variations on the other series as well. And I wonder what uh, is going on with that. Was it a matter of staying within the time slot? Uh, for example, if the story runs a few seconds shorter, they can, uh, or you know, not only the story, but PSAs and things like that, they can credit more actors. But it is really odd how it varies from week to week. And speaking of that, we have a comment from YouTube from Judy who writes uh, regarding the Sure Thing caper, does anyone know the name of the actor that played $5 Frankie? I do not. I'm not the greatest at identifying radio actor voices. I'm better than I used to be, but you have so many performers, and they often have variations and different voices they do. So it's hard to keep track of everybody. I can recognize uh, quite a few now, you know, Alan Reed, Gerald Moore, Howard McNear, and some other voices that I've heard quite a bit, but I don't recognize them all. So if anyone knows the actor who did that voice, uh, feel free to let me know and I'll mention it on a future episode. Might have narrowed it down if we had a full cast list, but I digress. And also over on YouTube, Betsy said the prodigal panda caper was very fun, and I definitely agree with that. Now it's time to thank our Patreon supporter of the day. I want to go ahead and thank Paul. Paul has been one of our Patreon supporters since August of 2020, currently supporting the program at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Thank you so much for your support, Paul. And that will do it for today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please follow us using your favorite podcast software. And be sure to rate and review the podcast wherever you download it from. We'll be back next Monday with another episode of Sam Spade, but join us back here tomorrow for another Yours Truly Johnny Dollar Cereal where... Want coffee? Yeah, I guess so. How's business? Bucket two a day. Father in the hole? Want cream? No, I'll drink it black. Want a sinker with it? No, thanks. Are you Red Willards? So that's it. What do you mean? You're in a fur case, ain't you? Maybe. I thought you was the same one, but I couldn't be sure seeing you across the street. You come up with that cop Garcia a while ago, didn't you? That's right. I'm an insurance investigator. Well, you come to the wrong address, mister. I don't know nothing about nothing. Who was in the lunchroom here just before the robbery? I don't remember. Any young kids here? No, it was all old men with long beards. I see. Ten cents for the coffee. Yeah, they got you real scared, haven't they? Haven't they? I don't know any of these. All right, look. You know Chrisman, the watchman over at the warehouse. He comes in. He didn't know any theys either. What about it? Nothing. Except he's dying. I'm at the Rilkins Hotel if you change your mind. Room 312, Johnny Dollar. Sorry, I don't see no use of me dying too. 
Follow me, man. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives. And check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.